The situation now is even worse. Flood is not about the poverty line. Yeah, this week sucked. It's almost like take me back to the floods. Easily. I would happily go back and start digging mud again. What is it about the mud? Uh, What is it about the cleanup? Hmm. It's concrete. Nothing in this life is concrete. Yeah. You don't. Well, you guys had to send some emails, but yeah, you when you're really in the front lines like, of the flood war, you just have to move mud, and then so the easy. mud's moved. That's done. Yeah. It's sorted. Wet stuff. It's bad. We gotta take it. Take it to the curb. All right. Next. It's More true. Wet stuff. It turns so out it's, it's better to be wading around in sewage and like yeah. breaking your back than sending or receiving like any number of emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you became real. Yeah, for, exactly. For one. Joyous week. Yeah, well, like, earnestly. You were corporeal. You, had, you had were, f- for job. the first time ever, a corporeal being in the world. I got to have a climate job climate for job. one week. We've done a live <laughs> test of the climate jobs. They're good, guys. Can you have Ryan's going to be going <laughs> to the Lantana <laughs> mines any day now. For climate well, jobs. well, maybe the answer then here is like the mining execs have to be the ones coordinating the climate jobs because mm. yeah, that seems like the, the worst. worst yeah. Well, we've talked about this before, like, because um, someone we know has had to like organize people doing bush care and it's like, it's horrible. Oh. No, because the it's mining- way worse to be organizing yeah. like hopeless volunteers than actually pulling out lantana with your bare hands. Yeah, no, that checks out. But like, you have to be passionate about outcomes and about the people you're helping mm, and about the volunteers yeah. you're trying to coordinate to do the coordination job well. So I think it's got to be more like a lottery thing, like a, a drawing a short yeah. straw, and like every well, you rotate it through. You do you like three months through. off. Yeah, and honestly, three months on, three years off. I think would be a fair psychic oh, toll for that. Yeah, job. no one should have to do that coordination yeah. effort for more than you know a couple of months. Hi everyone. <laughs> We're, okay, uh, we're yeah starting mm, we're starting yeah. now um the the flood cast on floods the flood socialism cast or mud cast it's flood floods flood 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 floods, cast, flood. flood 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 mud wetter flood. than ever <laughs> back and wetter than silted ever silted up and ready to go <laughs> silted up to the gunnels <laughs> um i'm liam and what's your position in the flood army I was, uh, it was very behind the scenes, I have to say. I was uh, taking calls and coordinating the uh, recruitment of volunteers to tasks. I was also shamelessly running comms for uh, various Greens people uh, from an office. I had the saddest of all jobs. So you were the PR department of the month. I was PR. You were phoning people, telling them to load, unload trailers, things of that nature. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Things of that nature. It was, um, look, I had a good week, but it sounds like not compared to some of the others in the flood, flood mud, flood socialism (laughs) mud army. Uh, I'm Nicole. um, And my position was probably quite similar to Liam, but involved a lot more like talking to like local residents and stuff as well but in an office so it was the coordination and also just sort of like connecting together our like local reps work into the the mud army and mostly just like insanely gathering constantly changing information Mm. um and pumping that into like facebook posts and stuff like we've produced just this absolutely insane um amount of comms over that time so i just did that 10 hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you do have a real lived experience in the flood. Just before we started recording, we've been it's examining true. Nicole's yeah. uh, swampy. Nicole yeah. was the troops. 
Yeah. I, 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 on the Sunday, because I'd been doing six days of the, the behind the scenes stuff. And I just was like fanging because I really like practical things as well. So I was just really, really fanging to go out there and get in the mud. So I had a little treat on Sunday and I went to go get in the mud. Uh, but I managed to get an infection in my leg from the one day that I went out there. Um, it's, it's, it's getting better now, but it's, yeah, apparently... Maybe I'm too feeble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had to be carted off by a medic. <laughs> Everyone's got their own roles in the flood army. <laughs> but I want to be on the front lines. I love practical things. Uh, um, I'm Maddie. Um, I feel like I spent my flood week as an honorary lad, sort of a trainee oaf, um, <laughs> as you will, although I had a sort of late respecking to be a gurney specialist. Wow. Yeah, real heavy weapons expert over here. Uh, I was, uh, my name's Ryan. I got to be a, a proper mud oaf for a whole week, just lifting stuff. What's an oaf? People. So I suppose, yeah, we really should clarify. Because yeah, this is like probably, this is, this probably the been, first yeah. introduction of the concept of the oaf on a floodcast, I believe. Because friend of the show Oafs and are not key that oaf. prone to podcasting. True. I, I'd say king oaf. King, king oaf. Yeah. Yeah. Friend, of the, yeah. friend of the cast and king oaf. Josh and I decided it was going to be the hot oaf summer mm. <laughs> because so like you know because the himbo is is a beautiful archetype like beautiful people mm-hmm. very stupid that's lovely yeah but it's we- quite exhausting thinking about whether or not you want to be attractive here's where we plug Declan's new show the dehimbification <laughs> of Decker's McClure by the coward Dave Eden <laughs> precisely now we need to clarify we are himbo positive himbos <laughs> are beautiful <laughs> people no. they don't waste their time analyzing things exactly. they're happy they're chill they're yeah. loving life they don't know what a podcast they're is Labrador they would never come on a podcast they are better than us yeah they would never listen to a podcast Anyway, that was a segue gone. <laughs> but it's exhausting. Thanks, Thank producer Joe, for that plug. <laughs> no, um, everyone wants to be hot. Or yeah, wants can't to be have hot. to be hot. That's or a lot of work. I'm not hot. However, helpful, strong. Yes. Still dumb. Friendly. That's important. Exactly. Yeah. Wholesome. And it turns out in a crisis, what you need is a whole heap of oaths. You need a lot an of oaths. Army. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it was that's really true. like, uh, it was a time to shine to be an oaf. Leaning and I recommend oafdom. oafdom to all of our listeners. If you, Especially if you have an email job, it's probably making you really sad. Instead, quit immediately. <laughs> get, get strong and don't listen to world affairs, but go help your neighbor move their fridge. Sounds delightful. All right. So what I thought we could do... Um, is we could go, in, we could start with the practical and the, and like feel, give people a picture of what it was like mm. in the week, mm-hmm. um, of this, of this last flood. So, I mean, for context, for posterity, for people who are listening to this in 10 or 20 years time, mm. we mm-hmm. had this yep. awful, awful flood. It was a uh, once in a hundred years type flood, but it was only 10 years after the previous big flood in Brisbane. It in some ways was worse. It was more rainfall in a three-day period than we've ever had in Brisbane on record. And the, although the Brisbane River didn't swell as much as the 2011 floods, some areas of lo- like low-lying land got hit harder just mm. because there was so much rainfall in a small period of time. And so while, for instance, West End got hammered, it didn't get hammered as much as 2011, like the water level didn't rise as much, but places in East Brisbane, uh, Norman Park, Gabba got hit harder from what I know. And then certainly outside of the south side where we were working, places in like Goodner and, you know, all the way up in Gympie and then obviously afterwards down in Lismore and whatever got absolutely rolled. Um, but we, as a bunch of people in the Greens, 
started to like realize on the weekend that it was ra- pissing down rain. <laughs> it it was like, raining. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Maybe we should call off our door knocks for yeah, this weekend. <laughs> like something is happening. <laughs> this is a weather event. <laughs> this is a phenomenon. Yeah, Liam in his day job was reluctantly thinking about whether or not to cancel know, a door it, knock. It was true. It was like, no, don't cancel them. Just wait, 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 wait. And it's like, oh, Jesus. And then at a certain point, Max and I were messaging each other and being like, Maybe we're going to have to pivot to flood relief this week. And then by Monday morning, and it was just, the flood had just absolutely wiped out uh, whole streets. Uh, it was clear that we had to pivot. It was an and insane so- weekend, just watching the waters rise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, and, and the, the, the council and state government were just piss poor in their information mm. and their updates and their warnings. And a lot of people got caught out. And so what a bunch of us in the Greens did was uh, sort of pivot very quickly and very ruthlessly our infrastructure and our people and, and our connections to try to do some frontline work um what i thought we could do is just like maybe particularly for start off with like what was it like on the ground because that's kind of the funnest thing like what was the work that you were doing um what were the kind of people you were helping all that sort of thing then maybe we can go into that kind of coordination side a little bit more how things relate to related to each other maybe some lessons learned and then probably the last half of this would be good to get into the, like, what does this mean for what we do as a political movement? So we can stay a little practical first, get a little bit, we have a little bit of theory as a treat, uh, you know, uh, later on. Because, I mean, we worked hard that week. We're allowed to do some theory, you know? (laughs) We've earned it. It's like that whole, you know... It's uh, okay, Liam, not everyone can be an oaf. You just got to accept yourself and be happy with that. Some people are just beautiful himbos (laughs) like me. (laughs) 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 Yes, that's it. Dr. Himbo Liam. Uh, no, we, we recently did a scientific survey and established Liam unfortunately had the lowest himbo energy well, of anyone we could think of. Out, I think it might have been John who's in the room with us. Hi, John. Oh, you're out, if you are self-aware of your himboness, you are instantly no longer a himbo. Mm. It is a contradictory thing to be. Yeah, it's impossible. You know, it's like a quantum physics. It, when yeah. it's observed, it is yeah. no longer what it is. So how about what what was Maddie and Ryan? Maybe we can start with you guys. Like, what was the work that was being done? Who were the kind of people? I guess we had an interesting, like, slow introduction into the mud army because we were firstly our house was flooding, uh, and then we resolved that issue and walked out of our house and discovered that our street had flooded. um, And spent and where's this in West End? In West End, yeah, and spent the sort of first day afterwards just kind of helping people on our street who we'd seen when we were walking around. checking on some neighbours who weren't there and the mm. status of their flooded house, etc. Yep. And we kind of wandered home out of the mud there um, and then sort of discovered that a bit of a flood relief effort had sprung up. And then I think some of these people probably had the surreal experience of we were then back the next day with like gurneys and people and teams of people. It's like these random people who lived around the block from us now appear to yep. be embedded in some type of flood force and they're all at our house. <laughs> Yesterday they were just walking their dog and then yeah. now they have like a dozen friends. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Very normal behaviour. So, yeah, it was nice to scale up um, from, you know, people who can lift heavy things and be hopeless to um, being embedded in a crew of people who can mobilise like, you know, half a dozen a dozen people, have some tools, have some gurneys, have some good outfitting um, um, and almost like swoop in on streets. And at these early days, it was also beginning to become apparent the like weird logistical problems in trying to do crisis relief because Liam was texting me being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. no one, yeah. like, including the state and council response is like really knows 
Like you have to be on the ground and you have to go up to someone's waterlogged house and say, hey, do you need a hand to like figure out when and where people need help? So in these early days, we were literally just like wandering around and it was easy to make connections because we could say, look, we're just up the road, like do you need a hand? Yeah. But then like trying to scale that and trying to like find ways to find people was yeah. became one of our problems, which Max was really key in. Yeah. Well, I think so the we, problem was as well, like that you would so people would be going out door knocking like yourselves mm. or Max or like other door knockers would go and then they'd just disappear. They would get stuck into issue. helping someone for four yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you could never respond because you don't want to drop your phone into a pool of flood water. So you just leave it somewhere by the side of the road and yeah. then become and filthy yeah. and spend the next three hours like pulling boxes out of like ankle deep sewage for someone. And then yeah, absolutely. I, there was one door knocker who we sent out to do this kind of re- rec- reconnaissance effectively to try to work out where do people need help Alex lovely guy um, went out I, I was like okay here's the brief go out try to find loca- like houses who need help then text us back info about what they need how many people that sort of stuff and then we'll send them within the next hour or two and then I just don't hear back from him for five <laughs> hours he's like oh sorry man like I just got caught up helping this household and he ended up being like knocking out walls and shit and I don't know how much in sp- asbestos he inhaled <laughs> But like five hours later, it's like, oh, yeah, really sorry. I just got stuck at this one place. <laughs> on so, that, yeah, that was definitely a flaw. On <laughs> that first day of the flood recovery, I had the surreal experience of being door knocked by Alex. Like, like I'm helping out just a random person in the street and like I come out carrying a box of wet shit and he's like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm from the Greens. Didn't you help? And I just like <laughs> laughed at him. I like cackled at him for a full five minutes <laughs> before like explaining what was going on. And then I was like, just check these guys next door. I was like, it's, it's going to be fine. And that was where he then ended up spending the rest of his day. <laughs> nice. And it was also a weird position because I found that um, as before we got stuck into flooding, uh, we were just dealing with our own problems of lack of power and yeah, assorted flooding sure. issues. Yeah. And you couldn't really get any information from the council or government. So I was getting yeah. my information from um, Amy or Max or Jono's Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. And so being in this weird position where I could pass on very useful information to random people in the street I met walking the dogs or cleaning their houses because there was no other source of information. Just because you were checking Amy's so Facebook So the fact that I happened regularly. to be yeah, checking um, Amy or Jono's um, live streams was very useful to a lot of random people who in fact the, had no idea how work. to get any help. Yeah. Um, so I think... So it started off with you guys just like in your street largely, but then you ended up like being deployed into like wandering off yeah and And i think every you know in terms of what you're doing like every house has got a few stages like one stage is pre-flood which we were not really involved in um which is people who've got enough warning trying to move their stuff either out or to higher ground um and a lot of people didn't necessarily get that notice um and then there was there's a bit of a lull while you're waiting for the water to recede and wondering how high it's going to go um, and then you've got a few phases and like as soon as people can get back into their house and the problem of coordination that I think the council mud army faced is that often people in the street come back at really different times mm-hmm. depending on where they've gone and what their yep. transport is like and stuff. So their first stage people are like shell-shocked, they're looking around their house and they're just trying to pull things out. And at that stage there's like a lot of broken furniture, a lot of water, a lot of like wading around and like pure gunk. Yeah, um, yeah. and people are really not 
necessarily ready for assistance at that stage. That's what I sort of noticed, yeah, right? Still it, in shell shock. Yeah. Why need someone like Max, a uh, friend of the cast? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Allegedly on the cast. <laughs> did, uh, did Possibly in floodwater right now. Yeah. Like the, it's quite possible. The amount of like, work you need to do in building relationships with people. Yeah. Like, you need to like, come back to them multiple yep. times. It's like, first you come there, they're not home because they're still somewhere where it's dry. The yep. next time they're there and they're just like looking at their like their house in ruins and they're not even ready to process it yet. Totally. And was yeah. there a degree of skepticism towards like randos from the Greens? Like yeah, was I think, that part of it um, as well? It was kind of interesting because we started out just on our street. Yeah, so that so was you, fine. You it was no like, barriers in that sense. I, yeah. I was just walking the dog and I can see you need help. Would yeah. you like some help? Yeah, I'm yeah, from yeah. a block away and yeah. I feel lucky. Do you yeah. want me to lift this yeah. chest of drawers that's right here? Yes. <laughs> and that's fine. But yeah, as you spiral out, like I think we saw a few people later on being approached by like council workers yeah. um, or mud army people. And they were very kind of skeptical at that stage because it's strangers. Yeah. So being in your immediate area is a really good connection. Yes. And then later on, we, I guess, had people um, like Max who were, had really spent the time to go back and talk to people being like, no, we can help and we've shown up day after day and yeah. you can kind of trust us a bit. Yeah, one of the things that Max said about some of the work they were doing, uh, the whole team was doing in East, East Brisbane and Norman Park in particular was you'd kind of knock on doors and be not be rejected in terms of like, we, we can actually help, we're here to help. And like, oh, no, no, we don't need any help, don't worry about us. Partly because people think there's always someone worse off than them. It's like, yeah, oh, do, yeah, do, yeah. you know, go somewhere else. But also partly because it's like, what are your, <laughs> what are your <laughs> motivations? Who are you? But then, but then someone will say yes. Yeah. And then when they see a team of people helping someone, they're like, oh, I would like that, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually, that looks pretty good. <laughs> and then... By like one by one, the street will kind of get like, oh, actually, yeah, could you help? My place is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Like, and you, I, you quickly, you, you pretty this, quickly like, get and couch and yeah. You pretty, pretty quickly get embedded in the neighbourhood because you're borrowing power from houses, you're walking between properties, like borrowing brooms, borrowing things, and you might have information like, oh, this house, this is happening, this house, they've got their power that they haven't even had the chance to get because they've been so swamped with their own. Yeah, 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 and I think sure. we cracked that East Brisbane, like the start of the East Brisbane stuff as well was like someone calls... Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Uh, well, who's this? Yeah, there, look. Oh, oh, well, uh, wild appeared. Max appears. <laughs> and now, cue the music. Uh, all right. So, we're, we've just been joined by Max. Good day, um, everyone. Max was, we cannot confirm nor deny whether Max was out actually just cleaning mud. I was. Uh, well, yeah. I was doing that this morning. That's true. Um, but no, I was speaking at a event in Highgate Hill. Yeah, and, and then so, door knocking. Holy moly! Um, and so what we've been talking about so far is you know the kind of the, 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 the land, what the flood was, how it how it impacted the area, and then starting to talk a little bit about the kind of work that we were doing out on the front line, and starting to get a bit of a picture of uh, how that sort of rolled out. And I think what we were getting to was that question of like how did we how did people respond to that initial ask for help like not ask for help but our offer, offer of help you know like how, how people responded and how that sort of day by day changed the kind of rollout of of the cool like of the the um you know like cleanup effort cleanup and, and, and yeah exactly so there was definitely a feeling that you know it wasn't like oh 
people who need help just immediately identify it and tell you what they need. It seemed to be like they let you know in like riddles and clues and then slowly like gave you the full picture um, a few days in. Uh, that was certainly the kind of vibe that I was picking up from uh, coordinating in the office. Mm, and that you're probably going to have to go back time and time again. Like you might have to go back and move big stuff. You might have to come back later and like sweep and gurney and stuff and then maybe come back later and some people have got some work like sifting through furniture or, you know, things like trying to clean photos or trying to clean clothes that is real detail work. And then I guess we will find if we can stay in touch with people in the weeks to come what people have as follow-up because we've just kind of like cruised in like as the light brigade and withdrawn and there'll still be plenty of need. Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, look, John didn't want a mic, but John's been calling <laughs> these people uh, it, this week actually to follow up with everyone that we've helped and that we've got the number of. But yeah, there's not a whole bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff that's come out of it though. Yeah. Hi, I'm John. Um, <laughs> hello. Um, one of the things I noticed speaking um, or following up with people was all of them have had issues with their landlords, mm. um, whether that's uh, issues in uh, getting their bond back or, mm. or landlords um, saying the house is still livable, even though the, the tenant has put in um, a form saying it's not livable anymore. Yeah. Um, I haven't really thought about it too much, but I do think that will be a, a sort of long-term issue that these people are going through Shit. in this sort of rental crisis. But yeah, every single person I've spoken to has had some sort of issue with their landlord, mm. especially in East Brisbane. Yeah. That's not surprising. I mean, like, and John, I made that good point that like the contours of this are going to be felt unevenly, yep. depending on whether or not you're a renter or poor. Uh, yeah. Like, and I think that was, in terms of like risk cross for the help, what was difficult I think was there were uneven need. There was a very uneven need across, mm. like especially the mm. area in which we were operating, which is mostly the south in the south side of Brisbane, which is an eclectic mix of renters and like wealthy middle class people with good enough social connections. That at first they didn't actually necessarily need that much help, mm. um, and I think that was mixed in with like the confusing messaging coming from the government where a lot of people were deliberately holding off, it seemed, from, like, coordinating any flood effort because they were being told repeatedly that, like, the storms and floods were going to come back. Mm. Mm. And, like, what was unique about this flood compared to 2011 was where in 2011 you had one massive high tide and it sat there for a while and then receded. And the day of the, like, the day of the floods and the day after in 2011, like, I still remember this distinctly, was baking hot sun and it didn't, Mm. there was not a drop of rain after that. And it was one massive dam release. Whereas this, like, the, so many of the people I spoke to, I was like, when I when we were door knocking, their issue was that it came back like four or five times. Like, mm. there was four or five high tides and it kept coming back, which I think there was like a layer. I found when we went into an area, there was a really interesting layer of um, demoralization. Like... You, I think why we had the initial request offers of help rejected was because people were confused and disorientated about when the cleanup was going to start. And yeah. you saw this in the government messaging where the Premier would get on telly and say, now's not the time to clean up, which was confusing because we were on the, gra- like on the ground in West End and East Brisbane and Norman Park hauling furniture out of houses. And I found in the communications with people when you, like, Maddie and Ryan, I think you were there in East Brisbane and Norman Park. Mm-hmm. Like I would have to go when I went door to door. The often you your initial offer of help was rejected, and they would see us working on how house either side, and all I would go back, and all of a sudden 
they would like you know their attitude would change like one amazing interaction with this woman in Norman Park young renter in Norman Park her entire house was devastated like downstairs like two houses worth of furniture and I went up to her and was like oh do you guys need help and she was like oh no like I'm sure there's other people who need more need yeah, more in need of us and I like looked at her house like, yeah yeah <laughs> on, the, on the bandwidth the way I was trying to explain it to people is like on the like bandwidth of like uh, luck Right. Yeah. You may not be on the lowest centile, but you're yeah. in the bottom like ten <laughs> or twenty percent. Like you, you can ask for help. Yeah. Like on the drive here, I passed someone at a cafe. Right. Like just living their life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. fine. You can have some help. Yeah. It's sort of like yeah. You know. Like I suppose I'm not a resident in Kiev. Like yeah. 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 Currently being shelled. That was even for like there was a dude who was like having to isolate with COVID with his kids away from his house that oh, was flooded. Yes. He didn't even know what it looked like because he couldn't go there because he was mm-hmm. isolated and even he was like oh look I'm sure there's people who are worse off than me and it's like mate you're allowed to you have like, we can your house is well, yeah, the, the way we ended up convinced like ended up convincing this woman to let us help was I was like look either we're just going to sit idle on the side of the street like four guys yeah yeah and like or we can help and she's like oh okay yeah I suppose you can like yeah, yeah. You can well, I wouldn't want to waste your time yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Like, I the only way I was able to was to get it to the point where it felt like she was doing us a favor <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But- the best example of this refusal of help was a 95 year old woman yes yeah. Oh, oh, then yes. like, don't worry, my boyfriend will handle it. Bruce, ninety five, yeah, yeah, yeah. also ninety five, ninety five. So Bruce came out like shirtless, just like yes, Bruce. absolute lad. Try, he was like went to like lift up this really heavy bunch of crap, and um, it was like clearly couldn't pull. Like lovely guy, but couldn't do it. And at that point. Um, this lovely old Russian lady who, when I found she told me she was Russian, she also hadn't made it very clear that she thought Putin was a bastard. Yeah, yeah, um, but that she thought Stalin was great, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get into it. But like, you know, Joking, back. she didn't say that, but yeah. you could see it in her eyes. But yeah, she, but she was a very similar where she saw us on the street for the entire day and eventually, like... Yeah, you do yeah, enough Ophelia and people will help. It is kind of an interesting one, like this compared to Lismore or compared to natural disasters mm. I'm more used to mm. where mm. the whole town, the power is out, you're fully yes. flooded in, you can't move around. It's like it makes it a lot easier for people to get assistance. Like we were the first day we were working yeah. and we were fully in the flood zone and then we just like ordered dominoes because the rest of West End had power. Well, it was like yeah, the yeah, neighbors yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, the people place, in West place End we were, were helping like, just yeah. delivered dominoes yeah, to really. us as like a kind of like gesture. Yeah. And it's so weird being in like a natural disaster disaster where you can get dominoes delivered yeah, yeah. well like, like we, le- we left the house in the, for the first time in a couple of days after having no power and doing a lot of like flood mitigation works in our own house <laughs> and found all these people like dressed up like they were going out to dinner and living a normal yeah. life and in fact they were going out yeah, to dinner they were. and that they i guess makes time. it easier to marshal resources and to get help but it must just like you must go crazy if you're sitting in one of those houses like up to your like eyes in mud and all your stuff is wrecked and people are just wandering around like jogging and stuff it yeah, must yeah. be such a weird they're out to see batman that night yeah well and three I think hours this- of batman this is the other advantage, like, because, you know, the other thing that... Oh, my God. Um, um, the <laughs> one thing... We're going to pivot to Batcast. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry, yeah, guys. Yeah. We'll get around to Batman. Remember, the second half is just a review of Batman. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. We're actually, like, all right. And then we just get Ryan and Maddie's theories on why this is the best Batman. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's just Zoe Kravitz, guys. The, the other thing that... Um, our experience, like of the, and like this is all our experience between like the Griffith office and with Nicole and Amy's office. Like, all of us had obviously had that like well, like confusion 
fight around what people needed for help. But who had that worse was the council and state government, in oh, particular yeah, the really. council. And it struck me, and I remember chatting to Josh about this on the ground. We didn't. We had way less resources than the council and the state government, but we ended up helping more homes in the area in mm. which we operated than council. I think entirely because of our capacity to garner information. Yeah. Like, all of that, like, whether it was the communication, the trust that Amy's office had built in the community, and as a result, a lot of people went there before they went to the council, and, like, Amy's office's ability to collate that information or our ability to go and door knock and embed in, like... In a, like embed in, in a in an area a suburb for mul- days over for multiple days, what that gave us a huge advantage ahead of council in a way was our ability to map need and complex need and mm. then deal with it on the ground and that structure was good in the sense that you had like you know we had an or- like organizer embedded on the ground who sort of was coordinating and then drawing resources from whether it be Amy or Griffith office onto the ground there and um, it meant that we were far more nimble in a way and had already established those connections to civil society via our previous community organising, our ability to door knock and our ability to pivot very quickly. Yeah, I think I was just going to yeah ask Nicole like because I think that's what we felt between Amy's office and the Griffith office for the people like who weren't out oafing um, in the matrix. was like the, the coordinate like Initially, it was like, does anybody need any help at all? Like, we set up these online forms. Mm. Uh, Jono set up an online, like, notice board thing. And we were like, no one's really... Like, there were a few people early on for the Griffith campaign who reached out around, like, needing some ice so they could keep their food cool Mm. and and a few other things like that. But a lot of it was just sitting there going, oh, we actually don't know. Meanwhile, we're getting this influx of people signing up to volunteer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you were at the kind of coal face of that, Nicole. What was the kind of vibe? Yeah, I was going to say just back on the Mud Army stuff though and with the council. Like I think the thing was they didn't even ask the question. Like it's not even a thing that they tried to find out that information and to be able to like, you know, they didn't do that at all. To be honest, they thought it was a simple like input-output process where mm. it was like a hell of a lot more complex than that. And they had all these opportunities to be able to like talk to the local like like representatives, right? So to talk to the local MP, talk to the local councillor and be like, hey, what's happening? Because, you know, in varying degrees across any of the seats um, in Brisbane, like the different sort of reps were going out there and talking to people. Some people were doing a lot better of a job of it than others. Mm-hmm. But like generally, like you could see there was actually a lot more action from our political representatives than you would see in other times. Um, and the Mud Army and the council just didn't have the resources or for whatever reason, didn't ask didn't yeah. ask anyone what was needed or like how it would how you know like what they felt like the need was in their area when was the time frame for this it was just like okay we're going to do it this day and it's a simple input you know you, you you say you're a volunteer and a simple output of like you need help like we tried to get in contact with them both from our office and from Jono's office and it was kind of impossible the, the main piece of information we got was on the Sunday when it was all fucking done yeah, <laughs> and yeah, they're yeah. calling Jono asking they if they needed a hand yeah. yeah well from my understanding they did one day and in that day they bust people to different locations and those people basically had to walk around and find houses in need so if you weren't ready on that day or if you had more than one day worth of work which everybody did because there were all these stages then that's it for you like yeah like as we've discussed this entire like incredibly long process of building trust with someone to let them help you all the way around um 
really takes time. And Maddie and I had this real experience of going back to a house the day after we helped them because we needed to pick up a extension cord we left there. And the mud army arrived as we were chatting to the to the person we helped. Um, so we got to see them attempting desperately to try and find someone to help. Yeah, they, they were. Yeah, they, they were just like, uh, "You need the help," and she's like, "Oh no, no, these guys from the Greens helped me yesterday." And she was like, oh really, "She was really like, they were wonderful." It was just yeah. such, such well, a weird I, but I mean, there were still at that point people that needed help in that street. Oh, hugely. So. Like that was the how ha- that was the block of units that had the inaccessible apartment because there was the um, an the elderly complex. lady, very very difficult. Yeah, who had been like couldn't get back into her apartment and all this stuff going on. And that, so it's like there was plenty of work to do, but all of it was complex work that you couldn't just rock up with a lot of people and go, all right, we're here to fix the problem. Well, because I know like they, at one point they even like put up a fo- – like they said you can register for help. And we door so many people where they had registered for help and just no one had showed up. And the other thing they were starting to do on the Sunday was send out rapid response vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Super, and the rapid re- super rapid. Rapid response. One week later. Yeah, we had this similar experience to you, Ryan, where, like, um, you know, like their council car would rock up. This guy would just, like, idle his car. He was idling his car on Donaldson Street in Norman Park, just sitting there. It was ironically named rapid response. Just, like, leaning out the car, not even getting out, not parking or door knocking, and yelling at people and being like, do you need help? <laughs> wow. Um, and... This is your help opportunity. Please register now for help. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You have two minutes. But he, I was chatting. Yeah, yeah. That's. I was chatting to the, one of the residents <laughs> on the street as we were like, she was like giving us information about where we were going to go next, um, which again, like, was enormously helpful. If you made a connection with a resident, like a well-connected resident on the street, they ended up being the ones that directed you. Yeah, to the, the yeah, other yeah. Because they actually know the other people. Um, yeah. And she gave me a map of everyone who was lived at each one. But anyway, she, um. This council officer leaned out and was like, just talked completely past me, ignored me, and was like to this woman, like, do you need help? And similar to you, Ryan, she was like, no, no, the Greens are all over this, and that's completely fine. And then the council officer turned back and was like, oh, yeah, we've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're stealing fucking our Sunday here, yeah. damn Greens. Um, but also, why would you let, like, I guess the thing is with this, right? Like, why, like... You know, you think about it on a really personal level yeah. as well. Like if a bunch of my stuff got flooded, unless my place was completely and utterly like unlivable and yeah. nothing could be rescued, yeah. I wouldn't be wanting other people to come in that yeah, I didn't exactly. know that I didn't have a relationship with, particularly just some like random dudes yeah, 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 <laughs> with yeah. a shovel who are like uh, super enthusiastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, especially if you'd been because they were out and about on Saturday and most people started if they were in a non-tidal place, they mm. might have got in Monday night, yeah. maybe Tuesday if they were still flooding. So they'd been like... Like at yeah. it all week, basically, yeah. like sifting through their belongings, and then to have people rock up like pretty much a week later to help you would be. Yeah, it's really good point, Nicole. And like you saw that on the like the rhetoric around the the reflections on the 2011 Mud Army, which was like it was so different. All of these stories about them clearing out stuff that people were like, no, I, I actually want that. And, you know, like a lot of people just going in and like, while people aren't there and dragging furniture out. And there was as much, it felt very different to my experience of 2011, where there was a layer of mistrust, like, they're just, for whatever reason, like maybe the degrading, you know, distrust in government, etc. But it was a much, uh, the community seemed much less willing to accept the sort of like, 
you know, um, positive invasion of the Mud Army <laughs> in the way that they had welcomed them I with mean, open arms. I mean, understandably, like I read some stories like people, you know, being in a house, like ripping up the carpet, ripping up the furniture and asking around and being like, uh, so who owns the house? And the owner of the house is not even there. And people are just there stripping the house. It just absolutely blows the mind that you couldn't walk into a house and immediately be like, okay, where are they? What are they doing? And this is not going to be the most efficient work. Like maybe you see things and you think, okay, it's kind of frustrating. This is all junk. And some of the studies were local as well, right? So like a lot of the like case studies around it, like, you know, the people who are really looking into it were like West End. And so I think the word gets out, right? Mm. Like, and a lot of those people still stayed in those places and they were the ones talking to their neighbours and... Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that, stu- that did st- stick with people or at least a big enough amount of people that people were quite, like, suspicious yes. of that kind of help. And you mm. were, like, hanging shit on yourself for not being oafy enough to be helpful. But, like, it's a really good and important job to just sit with someone in a really inefficient way and sift through shit and be like, okay, yeah, I don't know, maybe this coffee table. Oh, we can wash this quilt. I'll take this quilt home. Actually, like, really slowly yeah, go yeah, through such it. Such important work. That's a lot harder and it's less rewarding than just gurning the living shit out of everything or <laughs> chucking like Way fridges better. wholesale in the bin. But like actually that's the really difficult yeah. like emotional and like yeah. mental work there. That and that that was actually really struck me today, the job where yeah. Ryan and I were on this morning. Like yeah, there were we had three oafs at a at a real late job. Yeah. But it was a much slower, it was more of a care work job, right? Where people are sifting through their possessions, like trying mm-hmm. to figure out mm-hmm. what you can save. Having all these emotional moments yeah, that we like, would I just want to pick up something and throw it out. Yeah, <laughs> and we, like, the job ended up taking, like, started at nine, we finished about 12. Mm. Like, after you... Yeah, briefly, like, after uh, sorry. You, no, no, after you left, the, um, she was like, oh, yeah, and all of this stuff on the back deck. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, whoops. But, but there was all these, um, like, moments where, like, you could see her negotiating with her partner, like, having these... De- like, and that was the... You ended up playing the role of a social worker often, like, mm-hmm. these very intense emotional moments. And you would... Like over the course of the week, you just learnt how when to intervene and when not to. Yeah, because um, yeah, people are shell shocked and like they can't imagine saving anything. Because you yes. to save something, you need to put it somewhere clean and then clean it. And currently, everything's covered in mud. So even if like like actually helping people by saying like, "Oh, we can hose that down and be fine," was enough for them to go. Oh, okay, and like you just have enough of a relief to not throw something perfectly good out. Yeah. That, that was and such that was a such a slow process. It yeah. was a, like an emotional. It was so interesting. Like it happened again and again. Exactly mm. that, where you would go to a place and they would, um, they would say, "I just want to get rid of everything." Like, yeah, it was just a whole like, and we're like, "Oh, you know, right, right. beautiful <laughs> bookshelves that only had uh, like clearly could be salvaged a little bit, and you know, get rid of them." And we got better at having someone play the role yeah. on the ground of intervening at crucial moments and being like, you definitely don't want to throw this out. Like, <laughs> like, in retrospect, it here. would be a really good non-oaf service to send someone, like particularly when you have more volunteers than need, mm. to go literally door-to-door with like crates or... Um, you know, big plastic bags or something and be like, hi, I'm collecting like clothes or shoes to be washed. Like I mm. found we can oh, clean yeah. a lot of these things. Is there anything you want me to take? Like I can label yeah. this with the arse and oh, We could help in or the second hi, flood I'm, so well. Yeah. yeah. I'm going around collecting photos. We can fix photos. Oh, Do you want me to take any years, photos? Ryan. It would like, just like years. change your life. Especially the clothes, right? Because that one, the photos, you're a bit like, well, am I promising something that I can't do? But we can definitely put clothes in a washer. Mm. And I think we, we did that for one 
lady and it was like another random person that we've never like met who signed up to volunteer who actually ended yeah. up washing the clothing and taking this That's back to it. this other lady yeah. that we'd met like a yeah. week Such ago. Such a good service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, we had people wash photos. We had people wash uh, kids' dolls as well and toys. There were a lot of ancillary jobs that in the office we were coordinating like drivers and mm. like mm. people who were not particularly mobile when the bus service was down and they had to get to West End uh, Community House for some support and then had to be ferried back from there to their house. There are a lot of weird little jobs that weren't just, yeah, gurneying the shit out of someone's yeah. Oh, yeah, like, oh, garage. And I think it's the thing that we missed as well, actually, like on the sort of like reflection on it is because so as well for context in like the West End area, every single piece of public transport went down mm, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't get, difficult. it went down for like five days essentially. Mm. So yep. it stopped on the like Sunday. And with very little information because yeah. we were running it for a couple of days um, above um in West End and it was right across from the bus stop. So along with giving people sausages, which was a real service for people with no power, <laughs> there yeah. was also a big like informational service like this is when your power might go back yeah. no these buses actually stopped like you can stop waiting like no one knew the amount of people i saw rock up and just sit down at the bus stop and they no, had no idea no yeah. you can't get a bus but you can get a delicious snag for free it was pretty wild watching like at the first few days especially when a lot of that peninsula still had no power watching all the people rock up to the like the sausage station was where they were getting their information. Yeah, <laughs> and that was all like it was true to you guys, like in the in the data prison, um, <laughs> pumping yeah. stuff out. I want to hear more about the data prison in these early days. So, like, yeah, what is the experience of trying to like coordinate this effort without like? Yeah, any it was, prior experience. Yeah, it was messed up. Actually, it was so bad because you'd go from these moments of like oh, there's nothing I can do. Mm. Um, we don't know. There's not enough information. To then these like wild bursts of like three or four hours. That was certainly my experience in the Griffith office. I think Nicole was just kept going. constant. The hours, phone yeah. rang. Yeah. Like it was just constantly yeah. ringing. We'd have it like come through to the second line as well. Then yeah. we'd also have people in our office that were charging their phones and coming in and like they would be wanting to come in. So you have to welcome them at the same time as well, as well yeah. as like digging up, you know, any piece of information that you had. Mm. We did a lot of, like um like we're very you had to be really on facebook right like for like the like the, the public facing page for amy because people are asking questions that they need the answer to it's not like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you're so used to like a greens page where people are just giving you their fucking like random thoughts and so that can be Love replied that, to yeah. yeah please do that but yeah, that yeah. can be electric replied vehicles. to what do you think about electric vehicles <laughs> listeners yeah you can give it to like a day later and no one cares but this like you had to answer people's questions correctly yes. so it was just yeah, like a constant sure. like gathering information and then having like so many emails and phones coming in and then yeah like the first bit of it when we when we started the process of um recruiting volunteers and that we were doing a little bit of that from our office until we were like well this is impossible we can't do all of these things together and we were able to like shift it over yeah but those or first few days yeah, yeah. Mel was like plugged into the matrix Me and, and that like the emotional exhaustion like i imagine of like because in the end mel was just like seemed to be like just moving like 200 volunteers around um yeah, yeah i mean we had like two or three organizers who would do the phone calls mel would take these things work out the logistics try to work out okay we need three people clarify what was needed oh do we need brooms do we need gurneys all right cool uh all right and now we had we often had two to three organizers then just hit the phones of this list that turned balloon to about 300 people who signed up yeah and it was created as like i've never created such a bad system in my life like i'm really into <laughs> spreadsheets i'm really into creating great systems for things 
and overthink things but this because I thought we were looking at like 50 people maybe and we're looking at a few jobs and it was like kind of chill and it would go for a few days and then it ends up being this like 250 people that sign up into the spreadsheet that we do not have a system for and because it's already started to roll it's really really difficult to like unclear what people's availabilities are yeah yeah, that's it and how the data is getting tracked and and all of that so it's really like that spreadsheet is full chaos yeah I like the metaphor of the metaphor of the army keeps coming up, but it, like on the front lines, it felt just incredible because occasionally Max would be like, "What do you need?" And I'm like, "I don't know, brooms, Gatorade, sandwiches," and then like someone would just like, and just later on, they would just be there. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, the, yeah, it was great. You'd just be like doing some bullshit. Insane. You had your you had your phone off, covered in mud, yeah. uh, like exhausted, hungry, and then come outside and find an esky full of like water and food. <laughs> yeah, like, oh yeah. great, Let's get here. It was it was interesting. Like in the Hunger Games, when you have to like you know appeal to those donors, and then they like parachute <laughs> you little shit in to help you. It was like someone's dropped an esky of egg sandwiches. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. It, it was like there was there was like the core effort of the cleanup for our operation was definitely rested on uh, a friendship group like that has to be set up front right like you know us in this room and then maybe four or five other people like uh, Josh and and, and a, a couple others uh, kind of being out there and doing so much work but then there were all these satellite jobs going on that we were directing like dozens of volunteers to that we even started sending people out to like Goodner and stuff when we started to get requests out there because there were so many signups that uh, we didn't need them all on the south like in the inner south and so while that you guys were like you know a particular unit there were all these like other little teams going on that we were trying to direct yeah volunteers to as the requests came through which was kind of gratifying when you saw a job come up and then two hours later it's like yep four volunteers are already there that was pretty uh, yeah, enjoyable I think it was also interesting that um, why I think we were able to do that that quickly like was because of the electoral work that we'd done like the because like Mel went from a volunteer coordinator like managing organisers um, and being able to direct volunteers around a lot like a lot of places and in many ways that's like instead of a door knock at Holland Park West or a good night it was a flood cleanup job mm. and like instead of like working out what volunteers need like clipboards and whatever they needed brooms and they needed gurneys and um I think like that the capacity to um handle large logistical complex volunteer-based exercises it struck me over the course of the week how important the large-scale electoral organising had been up until that point. Um, Often also because you had trained organisers who were capable of giving direction in a very clear way and moving people around like that. Which is super different to like the flood army concept, right? Which is just sort of like a voluntarism thing that's just like, okay, out there and quite chaotic. The degree of like, even though it was, yeah, the most dog shit like uh, database type system that we'd ever set up. For for us, right? Yeah. It was still like what it... It was never sending people in blind. It was no. never sending people in without um, a, a plan to follow them up and make sure things were going okay. It was never this kind of just like, okay, go out to this street and see what happens. It was always like, okay, this address has been in touch or we've identified it as an issue. Go there and then let us know if you need anything more. We'll call you again. Um, and then, okay, while they're doing that, we sent out on the Saturday morning probably... 
eight doorknock pairs across the south side, Norman Park, Cooparoo, uh, East Brisbane and West End and with the express thing. And they had like little care packages and info and stuff, but also like text us if you need reinforcements or if you need people. To- so it was, but it was very, very different kind of approach. And I, do, I agree, it, it relied on the fact that we've been building an electoral vehicle for years now. I mean, particularly over the last 12 months, but basically over the last six Seven years. years. Yeah, yeah. Six well, years yeah, on the since south 20, side. Since 2016. <laughs> and crucially as well, um, that like those door knockers were highly trained. Like, And the door knockers we only sent out were like some of our best they're ones. Best. And, they're, and they're complex jobs. Like, And they had develop the capacity to functionally play the role again of basically a like unskilled social worker uh, where they would often just deal with jobs by themselves on the ground. And again, like it was such a clarifying moment that so often um, in political debates in Australia at the moment, electoral politics is set in opposition to community organising. And what became clear was that we were the group that were able to respond some of the one of the uh, some of the fastest group in that little pocket of inner city Southside Brisbane, precisely because we had organised a mass electoral project that had one Amy's office and Jono's office, but also had the capacity to organise a lot of highly trained volunteers. And I like hopefully I think that hopefully will dissolve. Well, it won't, but I think it's a good way of intervening in this. I would often find brain numbing debate where it's either community organising or electoral politics, and. Hopefully, this proved to a lot of people that actually they are symbiotic, like they reinf- they are self-reinforcing, um, and uh, like almost like as a try thing. It's electoral organizing, community organizing, the electoral offices we win as a result of that, and that is a self-reinforcing capacity build, um, which like reinforced over the course of the week, let alone over the course mm. of a few years. Um, yeah, and because whether whether people want to. Like, you know, admit it or not in terms of like the signups and the people who wanted to volunteer, like a part of it coming from like Jono and Amy, like when that started to get shared around by them, that was when people started to sign up, right? Like they wanted the voices that were to say, hey, this is actually like a thing you can do. Like they had that sort of like legitimacy in the community to be able to get people to get involved in it and stuff and I don't think you would have seen the same if it was like a sort of like self-organized thing I think you could have gotten you could have gotten far right like I think you could have gotten quite far with it but those extra bits and pieces did rely upon having um, those particular voices and and positions in the community that we did have excellent point Nicole really really good point and I and I think that that was why we were able to go to people's houses and offer help because, and what you saw over the course of the week was because we were a, um, a permanent existing political institution, the Greens, you could put trust on that because you knew that if you went off and did bad things, yeah. then people were accountable and like, and were as opposed to just the Mud Army who were accountable to no one. And what you saw was a, again, like these relationships, residual relationships that if it, if it were just ad hoc community groups or random vol- vol- groups of volunteers, those dissolve once those volunteers go away. Mm. But you saw a residual trust that built in areas over the course of the week and I think will endure for years now with Amy's office and Jono's office um, and the Greens um, that, that will only occur precisely because we were a political organisation. 
And I think it'd be a lost opportunity, right? This is probably a good time as well to transition into our broader stuff because I've been thinking about this quite a lot and thinking about like obviously the bigger question here is like how do we do this outside of crisis times? Mm. Like I think we really like I think there's a lot of things that we can reflect on and do like even better for the mm. next flood or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the, the weird dystopian <laughs> thought of just trying to be like we could really optimize the next flood, guys. Uh, I mean the thing I'm is, I'm collecting we, data already. <laughs> like I'd already forgotten. Amy said the other day about the PMs, aka yeah. the time several yeah, years yeah, yeah. ago. Next when the bushfires uh, yeah. fucked the air quality. Like, I'd already forgotten that because we're in this rolling, like, yeah, natural yeah, yeah. disaster thing. So, we'll definitely have something within yeah, two years. That's it. But the question is, like, how do we then, like, how do you then use this in other times, right? Like, mm. outside of crisis. Because a part of what we were doing here was we were able to identify a need that existed in the community that we could fill. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's really quite hard for us to be able to identify, particularly um, where we are based at the moment and where our sort of, you yeah. know, like, our volunteers are now in these, like, relatively quite wealthy suburbs where like mm. n- those sort of like immediate needs are a lot harder to be able to to be able to fill in with just like random with oaths mm. like right exactly. like what else yeah. what else it is like the need for the oaths is yeah. a crisis yeah. is like the there, easiest kind of thing what was an interesting one too because i think it's like an equalizing crisis like sometimes you're in people's houses and after a while like immediately you're like oh my god everything's fucked up I need to help them. And then after a while, you're like, hmm, like this is a really rich fucking house. Like, like what's the a, deal? Is that a Mercedes? But it's quite an, it's quite an equalizing crisis. Like, because for a while, there's um, door knockers have been going out with these um, like COVID aid flyers of like, mm. if you're, you know, you need some food, you need supplies, whatever, like we can help you if you're isolating. And it's interesting. Like sometimes people respond to that being like, cool, that'd be helpful. Or, oh, that's a great idea. It might help someone else. And mm. other times they're like quite defensive, like, I could get help. I'm fine. I can buy my groceries. I'm okay. Whereas a flood is <laughs> okay. like almost like a great equalizer. Um, and I think we've got so much stigma um, in Australia about like feeling like you might need help. So it's interesting to be part of something that's a real like goes across class yeah. lines. But I think you want to be able to do more than like in a part of where like the electoral stuff comes in, right? Is like even if we decided that we were able to you know build this kind of capacity and to do it either in a crisis or in non-crisis times like whether we were like providing free like you know school breakfast for kids or we were Mm. like you know doing something else that was useful to people Mm. in the community like we need to be able to tie that to something broader like a broader political movement and I think actually this is where the Greens and like having it as it attached to an electoral movement is actually really good Um, and being able to because you want to be able to do that direct solidarity work but direct solidarity work alone isn't enough and it's not always you know explicitly politicized and it's always like difficult to be able to like politicize everything right like how would you politicize your your flood response if you did not have a connection to another you know a political Mm. movement yeah and i think there were a bunch of like other groups that were doing some of this work like maruka social space and like i mean not to and i'm sure they're all doing different things right like not everyone's role was the same but what i really liked about being in the office during this time was getting like like for instance one of the stories that i thought was amazing was nav deep singh a comrade who's in the party who's you know very connected to the sort of indian community on the and bangladeshi community on the south side um there was a Bangladeshi uh, civil society org who got in touch with him that wanted to donate like several thousand dollars worth of things, but they needed a space to be able to dish that out from. And he said, oh, just give uh, Max's office a call and they might know. And so then he gave this guy, um, Alok, I think his name was, gave us a call uh, and we were like, look, probably our office isn't suitable because it's not particularly accessible and we're already cluttered enough as it is with the donations from 
of all sorts of shit from some, from people who wanted to help out. But then um, Mel and I conferred for a moment. It's like, oh, what about Rue and Moira who are doing stuff out of uh, Maruka Social Space? And then we gave Rue a call and within like, I think even six hours or something, they organized for this group to set up a stall with like food and baby clothes and ass- other essentials that they were then distributing from there. And having the political party that is so... That, and we also had people... Uh, comrades who were working in Meals on Wheels who had requests from students, international students who couldn't get food, who had been moved into a Tira house in South Brisbane um, that they couldn't cope with on their end, flick that to us and us being this kind of like, and then obviously Western Community House and Wecker and a bunch of other groups, having the Greens as this uh, cent, like as this, well, I mean, not, not the center necessarily, but uh, certainly a center of gravity in all of this that could like take in all these and, can, and the fact that we do, it, actually proved to me that we actually have a lot more connections and roots uh, across the south side than i thought we did and i think that's another you know adds to that point that you were making max around like it's not an either or between an electoral force and a social force the fact is we were able to flex a social thing because we've been building an electoral thing for some time i mean obviously in a different way to uh, most electoral vehicles that's that's for sure yeah a very particular one and i wanted to become on that, you know, point Nicole was making around the, imp- like, and it certainly, if, like, and I think it speaks to that sense of residual trust that you build as a result of doing it via political organisation. I think the other thing that around where you where to from here, like, and um, the, you know, I, I think I've banged on a lot about the Black Panthers running free breakfast programs. Um, uh, you know, there's all, lots of other electoral groups um, that have done that in the past in other countries. Um very successfully. And one of the things that often they, it strikes me that they did was that um, they often would set up these programs and at first like four people would rock up and they would just do it for a year and eventually more and more people started to come. And it was like, uh, it was a politicizing moment because it was the Black Panthers that were doing it. Mm. Um, and that going forward, like, you know, at a very basic level, just was also the experience of the barbecue. Yeah, that exactly. we ran on Montague, whereas like eventually everyone just knew that the Greens were running it and like they come and grab some food. And like it gets me very, like I'm very, very excited about running those sort of permanent free food programs. And food was the thing that drew like a lot of the help, but it was food that really did bring people together. And just running permanent, there is absolutely no reason why the Greens can't run permanent free food programs embedded in communities that might start off small, but like mm. uh, become anchors in communities. And that physical presence just there is is such a powerful thing. It's also a great way to talk to everyone. Like it's fucking scary for people out there who aren't in like the beautiful uh, department of Griffith and like where did they get anything? Because like we are in a really hollowed out state, but you'd have people rock up who didn't need help, whether it was at the barbecue who might have enjoyed a sausage but didn't need it or were getting help on you know help cleaning their house and they're basically kind of thinking like almost like why are you guys doing this and the next question is why is no one else doing this like where is the state and that opens you straight up to a political conversation of like why the fuck are you guys like organizing volunteers that's it and that's why it's important that it's coming from like because you know you could decide just as like a bunch of people in the community right like Mm. to do the same kind of work and yeah it would actually be it'd be really great that you do that and and like a lot of the results are really fantastic in terms of like the actual like how it helps people but i think if you believe that you need broader systemic change 
change, mm. um, it needs to be tied to something bigger, right? Like, you know, it is about a sausage and it's about helping people in an immediate sense, but it's tying them towards something that's bigger and also tying them towards something that I suppose, like, you know, the people who are coming to the sausages or the people who are helping in the houses, the people that you'd help in a free breakfast and lunch program. We like fundamentally believe that if they support our project and like help us advance our project, we will be able to advance their interests, right? And Mm. we'll be able to make their lives better and be able to provide these kind of services for an actual like for a state. And so it's a bit of like providing those things, but a long-term way of doing it, right? Mm. Like in a long-term way that's actually going to genuinely improve their lives. And that's why it's important to have it connected to an electoral. Well, and all the people walking past who don't need a sausage, but could do with that light bulb of like damn a lot of people probably need a sausage yeah. like. <laughs> ain't that the truth well you know um, it in would the be re- good if they got a sausage um, <laughs> how can we arrange that as a society it, um, in the lead up to this Wednesday, the like Wednesday climate forum I was doing a bit of research on just like other political parties in contemporary politics who have done this and like I think what became very clear was that you start um, you know Gramsci has this thing about like when politics is um, framed as a cultural question, it becomes like insoluble. Like you can't shift people when when someone's politics is cultural, you can't shift it. But what the social, I think, the social welfare does is it dissolves politics back into social life, and it means, and as we saw over the course of a week, people's politics then shift really quickly. So quickly, mm, SL fives mm, mm, mm. like people who hated the Greens went to wanting a yard sign in two days because we. And 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 the power of the oath, and I think that is the um, that's the radical nugget, which is that what the social welfare stuff does when it's attached to a political organisation, is it is it combines social and political life again, which is I think I would argue yeah. incredibly radical. And that was like one thing I was thinking about the way I was sort of conceptualising this today, because obviously, like as the fucking dude who was running the damn comms like on max's social media that that week which is this weird job because on the one hand you're kind of like like wanting to broadcast this work because you feel very proud of it and on the other hand you're kind of like i need voters to know right Uh, (laughs) that we're doing this right and i need to show that there's a difference between what the greens are doing what the other parties are doing and then thinking as the campaign manager for the campaign thinking hell yeah this is votes but it like became really clear to me that um there's no at that point there's no there's no distinction between winning votes and what we're like the whole means and ends thing becomes mm. very irrelevant because what you're trying to do like our express project is to build that social capacity and to build that power and one way that's expressed is through votes and another way that's expressed is through like how we can help people how we build relationships and community and so on so it actually becomes incredibly this whole division i think is what max was alluding to earlier this stupid debate between oh it's electoralism versus whatever it's like it is the same thing they're just expressed differently and i think i mean i've been reading a lot about the german social democratic party and then we are again uh back at the german social democratic party but they every election but you could talk about the like the stuff in austria What's the second biggest city in Austria? What's that oh, one Graz. again? Yeah, the I mean, Kratz stuff. But every election that these <laughs> anyway, back to the back Social, to Social Democratic, Democratic Party. Party. <laughs> but like that, that the elections that they ran in always just kind of measured the social relevance of their organization. That was kind of the way they saw it. Obviously, they, they screwed up and the history took a really dark turn after they did. But like the way that they built their social kind of like capacity was then reflected in, in votes. It wasn't kind of like this way of thinking like, oh, I just have to lead this electoral thing. But the other... Um, it was interesting on that, like sometimes when you'd be, um, you know, way outside your suburb and helping someone, they wouldn't see it as super weird that the Greens were there because they're kind of used to now have been doorknocked for however many 
many yeah. years. And Jono and Amy doing whatever they do, which is pretty outside the norm for um, local reps. And so they're kind of used to like greens rocking up and doing weird shit. So the idea yes. that we could be there with <laughs> a lot of rooms, they're like, oh right. yeah, I guess it checks out. Sure, that's, why not? That's true, Maddie. And an ongoing relationship as well. Like, and you know that you see that over the course of like door knocking notes that you start to develop like as like as a result of just going and asking people what their yeah, issues yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, they're like, oh, it's you again. Like. My favourite, yeah, like, the greens door- are always hanging yeah, around, yeah, trying to establish it, new parts, yeah. knocking and, my door. Why wouldn't they be here sweeping? Kind of the same <laughs> thing to the d- door knocking every day, the same place, and then opening up to the the need for the help that we were offering. Mm. Like, is it not exactly the same? Oh, thing absolutely. Where, because people's that people aren't rejecting us by and large because of ideology. People are largely rejecting us because they're like, you guys are a bunch of bullshit artists because nothing can get better. Yeah, exactly. Right? Which well, is almost the same thing of like, strange. you can't actually help me because things don't How could anyone like help that me? in yeah. reality, right? People don't just rock up your, your door as part of an organization and say, hey, do you want some help? And then actually help you. Yeah, so it's you a very big parallel to the first time. time you knock on someone's door and they're like, why are you here to talk to me? Like, is yeah. this a sales pitch? Do you genuinely care? Like, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. I think that you yeah. can be trying to relate to me one In to six one. years, we're going to come with a broom. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix of that low expectations, the thing we're always struggling against. Um, and yeah, exactly that, of people not knowing that things can get better. But I also think it is a cultural perception of the Greens yeah, as sure. like a, like for whatever reason, there's a bunch of weird, cult, like strange, like... Cult-like... Col- Too much soy milk, not strong enough to hold a granny. Yeah, you, <laughs> you know what it is that, like for whatever reason, like the greens are like almost yeah have the, oh, a whole bunch of cultural perceptions that where people hate them. And they would never give me a free meat sausage. Um, it's true, <laughs> but but and, and a I petrol gurney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. I, I, another example I have of that is I mean we um, did have the EV gurney. But yeah. That's- it's not as good yeah. as the petrol gurney I hear though Like that happened so often last week Where I'd be like Oh g'day my name's Max I'm the Greens candidate for Griffith And they go Oh the Greens Yeah And we go to slot the door And we're like Oh we're just here to help And they'd be like yeah, yeah. They'd open back up the door But the most amazing actually Wasn't the floods Was this When I was door knocking Like this road around Like getting a petition Of all things To get a speed bumps On the streets And like um, I went to knock on the door And this guy was like Literally said the greens, fuck you, fuck off. And I was like, completely fucking understand, mate. But I'm just here to get a speed bump on your street. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, and he literally went from basically abusing me to being like, oh, yeah. And but then it was that thing. He was like, but a fucking speed bump will never happen here. We've been pushing for it for years. Um, And we swore a lot at each other, but like it became a very friendly swearing. (laughs) Sign the petition? Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'll fucking sign the fucking petition, but nothing's going to fucking happen. Like, (laughs) it was literally, no, Cole, it was literally that. And so when in five years we send the volunteers to lay down the concrete and (laughs) (laughs) then he'll be proven wrong. But again, I just, on that broken record. The have to have work in the off season or they'll go to But I think that is the the feeling that was really exciting for me because I think we all feel this, like, this trepidation, like, about there's, like, gaps in our strategy going forward. But the path that illuminated for me over the course of last week was precisely the ability to dissolve social and political life back together. And um, and I think Nicole's point around and the importance of it being done around a political organisation is crucial because that dissolution, that combining of political and social life does not happen unless it's done by a political party um, or a political organisation. I fundamentally believe that. And um, or that- it's not done without it. Like there will be other organisations that will connect to that thing, but without a kind of like a spine that is political, without some kind of centre of gravity that is political. That's what 
I think the whole lesson of those various social democratic organizations like genuine socialist parties of the early 20th century and late 19th century shows is that, sure, there's all these ancillary organizations and stuff that are connected, but without that political party at the center, you don't even form anything that is genuinely self-identified as a working class to begin with. Like there is no social... Like, I suppose that's the thing. Like, there is no self-conscious social uh, life without without the political party being at the centre of it. But I think that... The producers just pull rank on us. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this, we're not, this we're not allowed to go past the two-hour I, mark, I also apparently. think for, for our party uh, as well, a good lesson for like um, other campaigns and other branches is really practically, it's great volunteer care. Like it feels great to gurney something. Like I mm. fully believe in door knocking, but it's like very easy to believe that by carrying someone's filthy furniture out, you're helping them. So if you can get your volleys doing something practical, like mm. every six months, it's as like a, a booster shot as a of the value of the organisation. Well, not even like, not even like, I suppose for like the things that I'm like now thinking about is like, like Logan, Ipswich, like these other parts of where we have like a little bit of an organization, but we have the, like we could grow further, particularly if we were able to get resources. Like for example, if we win a second Senate seat um, and we were able to dedicate some more resources into the community there. And when there is some more obvious needs that we would have the capacity to fill, or we would have volunteers to be able to help fill the capacity of like I also think that it helps orientate our members and mm. it helps orientate us like members and supporters towards like a working class party, right? And it helps us be able to build more membership and build more supporters that are of the demographic that we actually want as a part of our mm. party. Like, you know, a huge structural issue right, that we have right now in the Greens, um, particularly all over the country, is that it's a lot of like middle class policy wonks who are kind of disconnected from like everyday people like working people the people that we like really have want to have a deep connection with and want to be able to represent and win over but that's really hard when our membership is not quite there yet it is there in certain places but I think this here is a very good way to be able to build a bigger membership that was that that is more connected to that and you would you know like say you started to do something like this in a suburb um, you you would then gain the people that you're helping and the people that you're going to help are going to tend towards more of those like more just like solid working class people because the people who, you know, have more means are going to be less likely to need that help. Mm. Anyway, so I think it could be a very good ongoing regenerative thing for the party. I don't oh, know absolutely. exactly how Even you would do it. some of our members who are maybe more interested in the policy stuff, I think often they mean really well but don't have that correct direct connection so i think if you get give on them the something gurney. concrete like get on the gurney get on the tongs <laughs> yeah. at the barbecue get on that'll the barbecue. be a Honestly, great project like as a practical thing like literally just like branches being told every month or like every two weeks you set up a barbecue and you set up in the park and you just provide free food like and you would like i've long thought that that's all you would need to do and I think, like, you pick two locations, you get combined branches, and for the next two years, their job is to provide free food in those communities. The party allocates a few resources. Like, I was going to say on the class thing, one thing that really struck me was, um, like, in our friendship group, but also I think what's going on in the south side of Brisbane, is there is a class formation, and I think it's a class of renters. Like, and... Like that is a f- section of the working class, and it's just a, it's a, like a very self-conscious group of renters who feel locked out of the housing market, um, and that is the bulk of our organisers. It's the vast bulk of our volunteers, and as John was alluding to earlier, it's also the bulk of the people we were helping, um, and that um, 
that speaks to a broader structure, I think, going on in Queensland at the moment, which is, you know, if you look at the statistics, you know that 20% of um, renters in the country vote Greens. Like, overwhelmingly, our um, our social, one of our major components of our growing social base is people locked out of the social contract of the 80s and 90s, which is if you bought an asset, an, a home, and it accumulated wealth, it would offset stagnant wages. That That is... And I think that's why, you know, if we're going to give a structural reason about why we've like why this movement's emerged, it's emerged because in in inner city areas, for the it ticked over to the majority of people in those areas being renters. We became the majority, like class in a way. Um, and I think that that shouldn't be sneezed at, you know, like that that in itself is a like is a is a positive socially social formation. But I think. Yeah, it's absolutely true that the next step is then building a class coalition that with mortgage mortgage holders and renters in Logan and Ipswich and the um <clears throat> the outer outer suburban. Oh, should we just whip around final like uh, hot takes, final yeah. reflections, final like maybe you know any any other things that people wanted to lay out before you know like we may have to come back to this i think it was a really pivotal moment for i think we'll look back in years to come and think this was a moment where our organization and our project sort of uh rapidly um consolidated or like you know learned a lot um so maybe for posterity we can kind of you know put a few final reflections in before we absolutely wrap up for now i'll start with the thought that like literally this team of officers and campaigns um made up on the fly how to run a crisis response <laughs> and it was far more successful than any kind of state response but a part of that was just actually the desire to do so and because this like various the state's been hollowed out in various ways and i think part of our movement is actually in going to be in remembering how and building new ways how to help people like we can't just take over the state and then run the crisis response thing because the state doesn't know how to do that anymore like they've literally forgotten like part of the work is in making it up as you go along and doing it better next time Got hot takes, John? Uh, my final thought on this is um, as someone who has been calling up um, and revisiting some of the people that we helped out, the, that continuing those relationships is pivotal. And the sort of intense emotions I felt from these people when they, you know, when I said, oh, hi, it's John from Amy McMahon's office. And they, they would say like, oh, I didn't think you would call again or like oh no my house is all fine we don't need more helpers but thanks for calling that's really nice and then you then we'd invite them to events and they just really you could tell and they would even say that they feel like they're part of something now even though you know they weren't necessarily the ones that were volunteering to help people's houses but the fact that we came to their house and now we still want them involved somehow was really just um i think the first time a lot of these people would have experienced that from a sort of political movement yeah. Um, I don't know if I have a greater meaning for this other than whether you are a person or you're a branch or you are some kind of organisation, like get on the gurney in some kind of way. <laughs> like you'll feel better in your mind, your body and spirit to like find a concrete way to help somebody just every six months, get your shot in, get on the gurney, remind yourself that you're trying to help a person and that actually feels really good to do that. I would say that like 
like Facebook groups are good and things uh, on the uh, internet. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. But we're actually <laughs> Joe's gonna edit that out. But I'll be joining the Meta organization. But it's it's like that that wouldn't have done anything really right like because you can group people who want to help there but you can't find the people who want help and Mm. so the the reason why it worked here was because we had a bunch of people who were willing to just go yeah door to door right and we also had like reps um and candidates hopefully soon to be reps who were just like yeah let's just go out there and talk to people and without that that would like none of this would have worked right like if wanted to stay in the office and wait for people to come to us it, it wouldn't have worked so there's yeah, I think there's that. And I'd also say that this is probably like an interesting thing to explore in terms of like countering incumbency as a barrier, like on a sheer electoral thing, like because a part of the reason why, you know, because they can offer something to people, right? Like they can offer little grants, they can offer these like services. There's like a sort of connection to a sort a layer of people depending on how good they are as a local MP. And it's really hard for us to break through when we're a candidate. Shit like this though, we can do this. There is a bunch of stuff that we can do just do. It's a heck of a lot better than, yeah, a Labour party mp that's it helping people out who (laughs) yeah um i think i i sort of i think this idea of like where are the gaps going forward thing is like something i think we've all talked about for some time because i think our project is one that recognizes that um you need to build a, a like a broad hegemony that goes beyond just like you know, capturing state institutions, it's got to be a social one. And in fact, the the state encroachment onto society is often a demobilizing one and an alienating one and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's probably the big takeaway for me is like, okay, Nicole, effectively Nicole's question, which I don't know how to answer, although maybe there's literally just sausages, um, is like, where are those gaps? But I think there's something to be said, and this is super gloomy, but there's something to be said about if we look about, if we look at our project as a project that is occurring not in the 20th century, not in the 19th century, but in the the 21st century where climate change is going to fundamentally become a political and social phenomenon um, in our lifetime and um, my, uh, Ryan made the point that like the states kind of no matter how I thought uh, even a year or two ago oh we're going to see a return of the state under conditions of climate change because only the state can deal with something as big as that what's evident is that there will be the state as a repressive thing will become more powerful under conditions of uh, you know uh, refugees coming from like low-lying islands and whatever but the state as something as a social actor is still withering is still less capable and what we're going to see is more almost more Maybe performatively withering when you look at like the Lismore situation. Yeah, it's almost like wanting to broadcast how fucking useless mm, it like, is. Like, sort I, yourself out, guys. This yeah. is, this and, is I, it. and I think that the people who are going to be most affected, at least first, by all of this, are always going to be the poorer people. You're always going to be the renters, the working class people, primarily. Obviously, there's going to be a cross class dimension. But, you know, like Trotsky's whole combined and uneven development, this is like combined, combined. <gasps> we and need to crowdfund aircons. Yeah. Sure. Combined what? and uneven destruction, like o- over time we'll all get fucked, but the people who are going to get fucked first are going to be the working class. And the idea that we could have a social and political formation that is capable of doing this work long term is not something that I think we should just laugh at as like, ha ha ha, let's wait till the next crisis. It is going to be part of our work <laughs> in the next 10 to 20 years. And that is going to be one of the gaps that we'll be able to plug is actually like defending our people against 
climate apocalypse and building a new class formation around the recognition that the state and the market has effectively said, fuck you, I don't actually care. Yeah, I like, I think my, like, as I said, this on Wednesday night was like, there's like three competing like forces that we're intervening in. One is anti-politics, like the sense of disconnection from politics and alienation from politics and the state, which we encounter all the time at the door. Mm. There's the social and environmental crises and it, like and climate crises. And then there's the declining capacity of the state to provide. And I would say it's those three combination of things that is precisely an electoral and community project can intervene in. It's like, like our our formation is responding to I would say that three unique crises that are they and themselves are reinforcing like that anti sense of anti-politics reinforces the state's alienation from civil society and I think precisely that that aggressive I think you're right Maddie it is an aggressive um, deliberate strategy of saying you're on your own because I think it is precisely far part of that ideological formation of suppressing expectations like I think that's it's it it is deliberately attempting to suppress expectations. Um, I think my my like I think you know we've all covered a lot tonight, and I like obviously our project now is geared towards building the capacity to continually to help not just with those immediate crises, but the crises that I think operate in the background but unacknowledged socially as crises: the housing crisis, poverty, social alienation, and loneliness. They are crises, but they're not they because they are so permanent and operate so consistently they're not identified as such and i almost feel like another job of our project is illuminating them as crises and i think the only way that happens is by raising expectations like the expectation needs to get to the point that no there shouldn't be homeless people and people struggling with rent and there shouldn't be people struggling with poverty and there shouldn't be people who are lonely and socially isolated who we encounter door knocking and that's not acceptable to the point where it becomes a crisis and you know we talk about that with housing where like if there was a 50 you know 50,000 people on the social housing wait list if there was 50,000 people waiting to access a public school or like 50,000 people waiting to get into emergency wards that would be considered a crisis um and so i think that's the other thing that we need to battle and ra- is do that form of of raising expectations maybe the final thing i just wanted to say was the um the other thing i think about when we eventually do go into government at a council level i think will be the first time that will happen and hopefully eventually at a state and federal level as well in some way or in some role is this thing that leo panich talked about one of the failures of the serizia movement was that they didn't take their large social organization and connect it with the state and a very practical example of that was in east prison when amy's office called the fire truck and they rocked up and all of us like they fight grizzled fire chief got out and came up to me and was like what do you guys need? And I found myself like directing like five firefighters to just help with the cleanup. And what happened was that was a coalition of the information and capacity for us to organize in the ground and the last remaining vestiges of, of state capacity. And being able to integrate those is one of the plans that we need to lay out and work out for when we do um, or reach that, which like I think is um, something that, uh, we increasingly, once we get to that point, will have the capacity to do is the linking of our social organisation on the ground with the like good frontline arms of the state that still has some form of positive capacity. Um, and that actually got me very excited about the future.
Damn. All right. So <laughs> the the producer super ego yeah. is making gestures at us, rude yeah. gestures, in fact. And so I think that means that our time is up. Uh, but I think uh, we might return to this at some point, no doubt. Um, but really good mudcast, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Good stuff. Stay moist. Everyone. Yeah. Stay um, moist. But not too moist. Uh, if you're in Brisbane and you want to get involved, I have to make the pitch. Come and get involved in the project if you haven't already. You know, you can sign up. It's a lot of fun. I can't promise any gurneying. No, and if um, you're not in Brisbane, www.maxforgriffith.com slash donate. donate. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And um, if you don't have the financial financial moist. means, um, there's uh, you can get on the phones, you know, That's you can it. help you. But you probably go help your local, like... Um, Electoral project Yeah, sure, well. sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, Totally I'm having lots Ask of them how their mud army's going Yeah, that's it <laughs> Start your own mud army Yeah <laughs> Even if That's right and Practice gurneying Like what you should do <laughs> yes. Is you should get yes. Get a piece of furniture You don't want anymore <laughs> And <laughs> spray it with mud And just gurney it Again and again yeah, what's what is it? High pressure water hose. It's a big, it's a big water hose. Yeah. What is it? What gurney I would say, what is it don't don't spend your money on like stickers, whatever clipboards. Go get your branch money, spend it on a gurney. Yeah. But a petrol, go to people's a petrol one, one, a petrol gurney. Yeah, They're only like three fifty to seven hundred dollars. Really? Go to people's yeah. house and spend. Yeah. Yeah. How could I help you? Dogs. Like the fact that we had Jono just go and buy a couple of gurneys. Amy's office just like you know buy beefy boys for you know like we need them electoral office. Offices is good, y'all. Yeah, the sausages money. just keep Buy rolling. stuff yeah. and help people with it. Thank so you. Let's win Christmas. What about a new form of Donald Trump? Like this. Hey, how's it going? I'm Maddie. I'm a volunteer for um, Max. Oh, good day, Maddie. Hey, Griffith. And um, would you like a sausage? Um, <laughs> I've oh, also, I, I wouldn't. Oh, yes. I wouldn't mind one, Maddie. But um, do you have like mustard? I'm, but do you, yeah? Do you have onions? Yeah, I do actually. And I'm also in my car. Got a gurney? Is there any like mud you've got? Bit of slime that yeah, you want to sort I out? I actually have quite a lot of mud. Because we've out noticed the back. a lot of people in your street have had a lot of slime, and we can sort that out for yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually slime. responsible for that slime. Like, <laughs> I've been the one spreading it on the street. Yeah, Is that yeah. okay with you? If you like, would you join me? Absolutely fine like we're here to solve problems not to blame <laughs> anyway so like politically how do you feel like things are going well like i suppose like cost of things a big issue particularly because when i purchased the slime yes. put it in my <laughs> and, and i thought you produced okay. slime Let's stop this conversation an for an important thing we need to do <laughs> we need to buy a tinny Oh for yeah, we, we need to be able to buy a tinny. Yes. We need to find a we way to be able to fund a tinny, yeah. Max. If you win, I'm not sure if our like we can only get minor equipment up to two and a half thousand dollars, and I'm not sure I can get a tinny. How much is a tinny? A I don't tinny. know. <laughs> I would just buy it out of my way. I've got my boat license. That is Mark. Mark's got his boat license. Yeah, we need more people to have the. Actually, what I would really like is more people to have their like bobcat ticket. Because that would really have helped us with the. We need to set up a wish list with the with the rubbish barricades. Yeah, we. Just yeah. meet a little small bobcat. I like the you idea do. of like a truck rocking out with like Jono's face on the side. <laughs> Thumbs up. Yes. And it's just got two bobcats and like, like greens triangles. Hello. Would you like bobcat. a sausage? Would you like a portable charger? Would you like this bobcat to take away your flooded fridge? It's actually an amphibious vehicle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just rides through it's the like water. It's like a submarine. Yes. Yeah, just like a little porthole comes up. Like it would also be a triangle. full employment program. All our volunteers, they don't want to send email. They want to drive the bobcat to get rid of the fridges. They'll they love do. it. Probably the 
you know, I mean, it's okay, a we virtuous cycle. But I think like, we're I not we're this, not just going and helping people. It's probably the final point we need to make is we're not just going and helping people. Like we were mobilizing people to help themselves. I think it's a very important thing we need mm. to make. Out. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yes, we, we need Mark to be on a boat and whatever. But it's very <laughs> important. Yeah, it's critical but that Mark actually is on a boat. what we need but is we half the community in tinnies. Yeah, exactly. We're facilitating people to get in a tinny and go and help your neighbor. It's not charity. It's community capacity. It's building. solidarity and yeah, so yeah. on and so forth. Renters right. helping renters and homeowners. With the slime and half everything. The All right. Half the electric in a tinny, half a bobcat. Everybody happy. Bye-bye.